Hello and welcome to Sitcom Geeks. I'm James Carey. You'll hear Dave in a moment. This is episode 103 and it's something we recorded a little while back. An interview with Moose Allen and we'll tell you more about him in due course. Our Patreon subscribers have had access to this audio for a little while with loads of other audio content. That's one of the perks of subscribing. The interview was grabbed in a bit of a hurry, to be honest, and the sound quality isn't brilliant, but you can hear it, but we're still sorry anyway. We're trying to improve the quality all the time here, which is why your support is so crucial, and most things get better with time and money, as in life, as in writing, as in podcasts. Before we go into that interview, I just wanted to mention that Dave and I are at the Chortle Funny Book Festival um, at the British Library this coming Sunday. That's the 13th of January, 2019. And we'll be talking to novelist and huge sitcom fan Jonathan Coe. And I'm reading his book, The Rotters Club, at the moment, and I'm really enjoying it. And um, that's because it has lots of dialogue that has a real sitcom rhythm to it. So uh, it'll be really interesting to talk to him about that and uh, his favourite sitcoms as well and all that other stuff too. We can probably geek out together. I hope you can join us there. If you want to see me do a thing, I'll be at St Nick's Church in Bathampton talking about my book, The Sacred Art of Joking, and I'll be doing that on Saturday the 19th of January so that's coming up quite soon and uh, look on my website for details of that and my visits to Carlisle, Dumfries, Edinburgh and Leicester in the coming few months so look at jamescarey.co.uk Carey spelt C-A-R-Y and Dave and I will be uh, recording a sitcom geeks at the Leicester Comedy Festival on Thursday the 14th of February ideal for a hot date coming to a sitcom geeks recording and actually we're on at six so plenty of time to get back to your love nest afterwards for your valentine's evening anyway find out more on twitter facebook and patreon plus dave's website davecohen.org.uk anyway enough from me over to me and dave and moose yes moose here we go Hello and welcome to Sitcom Geeks. I'm James Carey. I'm Dave Cohen. And we are joined by a special guest who uh, masquerades on Twitter as Moose Alain. Mm, that's correct. Is that how you would yes, say it? that's right. Exactly that is, right. Is, is that your actual name? Um, I wasn't christened Moose. No. But no. everybody calls me Moose. Okay, that's just like a nickname. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Since I've been about 17. Okay, so, it wasn't yeah. some cryptic... Pseudonym no, no, kind of. Why, right. would you, why would you be called Moose? That's a new Just a one. nickname that stuck. Okay. It looks like there's a photograph of me where I look like a moose. Okay. Ah, uh, right. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and my sister started calling me Moose, and then right. the rest of my family did, and then it kind of right. went viral. Okay. <laughs> in the old days, where they thought that meant. I mean, about five told, people yeah. told the next door name. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So um, we, we normally uh, we talk about sitcom and sitcom writing, but we often talk about uh, getting into comedy. How do you uh, make a living at comedy? Um, the f- from what I can tell, I don't know really. Um, but Moose, you seem to uh, you seem to spend a lot of time on Twitter. Is that correct? I think that's fair. Yes, <laughs> I mean I'd be a fool to deny it because all yeah. the evidence is there. Yeah. But, and but, for many people, that's a uh, an absence of work and a distraction. But for you, this seems to be part of your business plan. I wouldn't say. I mean, plan makes me sound <laughs> like I know what I'm doing. I think there was a fantastic epiphany. Many. I mean, I joined in 2009. Didn't yeah. really do much for the first year or so, yeah. and then started sort of getting the hang of it. And I think I definitely went through a phase where I thought, "Oh God, I've got to stop spending so much time on Twitter." But then I had an epiphany that actually, because I'm an artist, illustrator, cartoonist, that I could kind of mesh it in with my work. And what I was actually finding was that 
I was beginning to write short stories and things live on Twitter, you know, uh, something I'd never done before. Um, I was writing jokes every day, you know, several jokes. Mm. So fairly consistently started drawing things to put up online. Mm. So having an audience there Mm. was a kind of an encouragement to put my work out there. And as soon as I realised that actually it was a creative tool, then I all the guilt about, oh, I should be working, fell mm-hmm. away. And, and that was coupled yeah. with talking to people, getting to know people, having a laugh with people, mm. and then various kind of bits of work that came out of those mm. kind of uh, relationships. Really. Yeah. Yeah. So you're one of the few people who says, I'm not spending enough time on Twitter. I do feel guilty <laughs> that I don't spend more time on it, Dave, you're right. Yeah. Well, so <laughs> what, what were you doing before, I mean, before Twitter? And the, yeah, uh, <laughs> it's so hard to remember, isn't it? Um, Maybe you had hobbies. Yeah. <laughs> Twitter is my hobby. Yeah. Um, I, well, I, for a job, I was an architect and then gave that up to do some art really right and that was in about 2006 and we moved out of London down to Devon and kind of just decided to wing it that's me and my wife Mm. so we kind of worked together so I think you know I was doing that and we were going to art fairs and and that kind of thing trying to sell the work but then Twitter sort of came along Mm -hmm. and it just seemed to be a perfect medium for the way I work because I do lots of different little bits and pieces Mm. um and that kind of bitty nature of it. Yeah. You know, I could be drawing something. What normally happens is I'm drawing away, and when you're drawing, the kind of verbal part of your brain is kind of free to wander around, and mm. I would be playing around with words and things, mm. and then they would turn into jokes, or things would just pop into my head. And I'd go, oh, right, I'll, I need a little break. I'll get up and, and tweet it, you know. Mm. And um, it just sort of meshed in perfectly with what I was doing uh, and became a good outlet for those kind of things Uh, and so you are are you now aware that a considerable portion of your income now has has sort of indirectly as it were come through through Twitter and people going onto your website and then yeah I couldn't really put a figure on it Um, my wife probably has got more ideas she probably looks at what the where people come from to get to our website Mm. and it was never um, it was never something where I felt comfortable doing a sort of hard sell mm. uh, in latter years I'm a bit more you know likely just to tweet links to mm. my website or drawings yeah. and things but I'm I never really liked doing one it. of your tea towels as we sold it on the way in if you just move the tea towels slightly to the left that would be there we go it suits you yes that's right Yes, uh, yes. We don't all need to see the good Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it wasn't. It was never really a hard sell, but you know, it was. It was there as an, an opportunity. I can't quite remember what your question was. The question was about where the You know, the percentage of your income that is now because how many followers do you have on Twitter? Um, I'm sort of ninety thousand plus. Okay, I mean that's a deep. That's putting you in a fairly big high category of. Yeah, I mean that's quite high for you know somebody who doesn't come with an audience yeah. you know, it doesn't bring it's someone um, who's not on telly yes yeah. exactly yeah. started I mean, in naught and kind of built yeah, your way exactly and right. certainly for the first year it was like 50 or so yeah. you know yeah. and then I started joining in and I think that was the 
that was the kind of epiphany that you could, right. well, not the epiphany, I've already had an epiphany, I can't have another one. So that was the moment <laughs> where I kind of realised, oh, this is fun, you know, yeah, this yeah. is enjoyable. And I started following people who... I think know. Trinity's after epiphany yeah. in the church calendar. I, <laughs> I should know this. How, okay, so how many epiphanies can one person have? <laughs> right. Having more than two is definitely frowned upon okay, right, um, in, okay. the, in the Anglican is, tradition is anyway. Right? But, okay, uh, right. The Anglicans don't frown at much, to be honest. It's, you know... Um, I, I epiphed and then I trinity. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. So, um, but you, but so, so you would, would you say therefore your, uh, your business as an artist, as it were, has definitely been enhanced by your Twitter, uh, you I, know, this pipeline, yeah, as it were. I think so. And what's happened really is um, sort of austerity kicked mm. in. I think we felt that in terms of going to art fairs mm. and people just weren't buying so much. Mm. And I think uh, Karen who really did most of the fairs, I'd stay mm. home and, and work. Sorry, she was working as well. I would be, you know, drawing and yeah. looking after the yeah. kids and things. Um, but she categorised it or, you know, described it as, whereas before people would be finding excuses to buy something, mm. like, oh, I like that, yeah. I, des- I deserve yeah. a little treat or something, yeah. people would be finding excuses not to buy things. Oh, okay. you know, like, oh, I really like that, but I've got to pay for this next week or the, you know, yeah. the gas bill's due or something like that. And I think we felt that. So as that declined... Um, you know, social media and the possible and having a, you know a website and yeah. things, and that that started to grow, and it had the advantage that it's a kind of global market. And you're not just you know you're not just dependent on the you know however many people walk past you or stand over yeah. a rainy weekend in November. You've got the whole world there, and we do sell around the world now. Right. Um, so yeah, and and not just sales, but also invitations to do things exactly commissions yes. and that kind of thing that, definitely so I get mm. lots of private commissions and then I've got some illustration commissions and, and book you know work and things mm. like that so so that's been you know I think if you treat Twitter in a certain way uh, it can be just a way of just putting your work out there mm. and for people to see it I mean I I, I I write jokes, I draw cartoons, I do art, mm. you know, I can put my pictures up there. So I've got lots of different things that I can put up there which people seem to find mm. interesting. Mm. Um, yeah. Do you, and um, we, know, we, we became aware that you are, you're a fan of the show, in fact, so we were very, very excited about that. Have you ever considered writing sitcom? Um, I've considered it, but <laughs> I have never put the work in, you know. <laughs> uh, it's never. I mean, the thing I have to do is make a living from what I'm doing, and I mean, I'm not being facetious. The realist is already but, but, coming well, through. No, but I, I, this but is it, all excellent. I, I, I don't really have an opportunity to yeah. do something very speculative yeah. in that way. It's kind of slightly hand to mouth, mm. in as much as you know, my time has to kind yeah. of pay for itself. Yeah. Uh, Devon is not a land of just ambrosia custard it's not. where it um, comes for free and everyone's, you know, I'm in Somerset, not far away. I wish I'd known that before we moved there, to be honest <laughs> with you. <laughs> no, I mean, it's great. It's lovely to, you know, be bringing the kids up there yeah. and everything. But, um, yeah. And how yeah. do you keep sane then, being on Twitter uh, every day? I, um, by not reading Twitter, <laughs> yeah. I spend quite a lot of time just looking at my—not looking at my own feed, but looking at my replies and, yeah. and dealing with people who are talking to me. Mm. And when I'm feeling brave, I'll dip in. I mean, I followed more than two thousand people, yeah. and there was a time where I thought, "Oh, goodness, I've followed five hundred people. That's far too much. It's doing my head in." Mm. But realised actually, the more you follow, the more varied it is. 
the more connections you see, which is very interesting when you see people talking to other to each other. Yeah. And actually, you can just ignore most tweets. You know, yeah. you can just skip past them. So yeah. following lots of people isn't problematic. Yeah. And you kind of home in on the people that you find interesting yeah. and things that catch your eye. You kind of skim reading rather than reading everything. Yeah, and actually, and, and I'm sure you've noticed and that pictures are now much more. I mean, the, the the numbers all say that your tweet is more likely to be read or a link is more likely to be clicked on if there is a picture in the tweet yes. as well. But having said that, you do lots of tweets with no pictures, obviously, which is surprising given your... Yeah. But the joke speaks for itself, I suppose. Yes, yeah, so that, that's an interesting thing. I do, yeah, I do... I'm a visual artist, but I do lots of cartooning, so there's lots of... Language is an important element mm. of it. And I've always really enjoyed wordplay... Um, and I see what I put on Twitter more as wordplay than jokes per se, if you know what I mean. It's kind of just playing around with language. Mm. I mean, some of it's just trying to be, you know, funny, but it, mm. you know, it's almost like the humour is a byproduct of, isn't it wonderful what you can do with our one, you know, amazing, valuable language? And, and do, you, do you have an editing process to your tweeting? I've just had an idea for a joke. Type, I mean, type, 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 bang. Well, on. as I said earlier, a lot of it is kind of composing it in my head while I'm drawing and right. when I've kind of mentally yeah. got it right yeah. then I'll tweet it so there's that there's that process and then of course there's an inevitable typo and somebody will point that out to you so that's always nice isn't it yeah. um, it is annoying that you can't change them <laughs> mm, I, I don't mean, know I've got two minds about that well, the, the correcting typos. I mean, I guess once you want to rewrite history, I guess is the worry. That's but. that's one worry, and also I also think it just doesn't matter for me. It's a conversation, right. and it's. I always think it's like the equivalent of picking somebody up on every slip of the tongue. Yeah, if they've got a speech impediment, you know, lots of people aren't necessarily that great at yeah. written English. You know, mm. for all sorts of reasons. Mm. I just wish people would let it go and let the conversation flow rather than going, I think you meant there, not there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I know that's a kind of classic, but it yeah, happens all yeah, the time. No, it's and nothing good comes of it, really. And also, it? it's one of those things where, quite often, when people are trying to take people down, yeah. you'll see somebody will say something politically that you don't agree with, and somebody mm. else will quote tweet it with a comment about their spelling mistake or something. I always think that's slightly sort of like. Yeah, they're kind of well. That's not your best takedown, really, is it? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Engage with the idea, yeah, the yeah. expression of it. And it always seems like, well, you know, people have all sorts of difficulties. Yeah. Try and consider that. Yes, you know, why add? You know, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Do you think yeah. people who want to, people who are trying to get on in comedy, do you think? Mm. You, I mean, do you have any advice for people who are um, uh, about Twitter? How they should? I think it's a good place to. <laughs> it's a good place to write jokes. I, I think if. You were, if I were a comedian, I might be reluctant to put them out there. I know people who, you know, stand-ups, you know, some people write jokes or they use it as a place, place for putting stuff that's not necessarily going to work on live conditions. Uh, but I think I'd be a bit reluctant about putting my material... I mean, it doesn't really matter for me. That's my medium. If I then decide to turn it into a cartoon or it crops up in some other form, it doesn't really matter. I think if you're a performer... I would be a little bit more reticent to put it out there because jokes get taken, um, you know, shared around. Yeah. I don't have quite such a problem with that as some people do. I think if you're going to put in a way, out, they're sort of they're not quite so integral to your business model. I mean, I think Tim no, Vine, exactly. Tim Vine has different feelings about that. Having um, his own absolutely. jokes sent to him on an you know when email memes used to do the rounds, he had his own jokes sent to him as a Tommy. Co- you know, here are twenty classic Tommy Cooper jokes. Yeah, they were all Tim yeah. Vine jokes. Right. But I guess because it's not, if people start ripping off your your art, 
that's slightly but, different, isn't it? And they're not so likely. But actually, if somebody sort of claims your joke, and oh, it's like well, I don't, I don't earn go. money from yeah. my jokes. You know, I sort of earn money. Burn money. Hmm. If I, 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 yeah. I earn money, sort of by proxy, in, in almost if that's the right phrase. You know, it kind of comes on the back of, you know, trying to be entertaining in some way on yeah. Twitter, and then hoping that then people will go and look at my website and buy work or commission something. Yeah. And I think there's enough weight behind that way of doing things that it's not like I wouldn't put something that's precious. I don't put my images up there at high enough resolution yeah. that people could turn them into a book. I don't, you know, I think people print them out sometimes and stick yeah. them on their desk or something. So, so, you know, so I'm not going to complain yeah, about yeah. that. But yeah. you know, if they were sort of making them into prints and selling them, that would be a different issue, and I'd, I'd be worried, but worried about it. Yeah. That'll take quite a lot of effort, really. I think, as opposed yeah, to nicking a joke and doing and, it on and stage. That, and I think, you know, I think people genuinely like to share jokes around. Mm. And they don't quite understand this idea of authorship. And I, I, you know, there's a part of me, and I do completely understand this, that people work really hard on Twitter and write jokes and they use it for all sorts of things. Mm. And there's a lot of originality. I don't agree with this idea. There's nothing new in the world, or, mm. or all the jokes being done. I, every day, I'm astonished by. There's so many brilliant people out there coming up with original ideas all mm. the time, mm. um, and I find that very exciting. Yeah. Uh, but you know, there's a. There's a way in which it, it does get shared and people want to share those things and sometimes they'll copy and paste it into their own feed rather than just retweeting somebody. And, mm. you know, I can understand that's not great for a lot of people. But I don't really mind that much. Mm. People come to me and say, oh, look, somebody's done your tweet and then I feel I have to say something about it. <laughs> but generally, if I see somebody... And the other thing is I know that things that I'll come up with that somebody else has already come up with that and people will tell me that. But I think, well, fair enough, we're all... You know, some of my things will be original and nobody else would think mm. of that. But other things I've been a bit obvious mm. and that's the price you pay if somebody's already done it you know? yeah. just one last question I wanted, yeah. um, do you um, uh, any followers who are like sort of very unusual like like the Pope or Donald <laughs> Trump or something um, <laughs> that like no that? I don't have any unusual followers they're right, all very okay. usual you know. okay, uh, I, you know, sometimes I'm kind of surprised you know when I look because I don't really keep tabs on yeah. on who's following me. And I learned fairly early on not to get too excited if somebody you yeah. like follows you, because yeah. you'll check a week later and yeah. they've disappeared. Again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Have you had any noticeable spikes after a particular? Well, things happen. Yeah. Um, and then there'll be a spike, or you know, somebody who's prominent will say, "Oh, you know, go and follow this guy. He's yeah. he's good or something." Yeah. And then there'll be a spike. You know. Um, yeah. Are you gonna have a party when you hit hundred thousand? No, no, no. Uh, you know, <laughs> if somebody threw a surprise party for me, then by you know, the way, like, <laughs> yes, exactly. it's not for no, me. All hundred thousand followers. Wembley gig, and we all watch you draw. So you know, if anybody wants to suggest a date when I might be available for that, you know, but I wouldn't want to know about that. No, no, no. That's great. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast, and um, uh, and yeah, and have a safe journey back to Devon. Thank you very much, and thank you for having me. Um, You're yeah, welcome. it's a delight. Yeah.